I have been, there is something that I have been sensing in my, in my spirit that God continues to take us to a place at the edge of being broken. But every time we get to that edge of being broken, instead of allowing him to break us, we continue to pull back. And for God to do what God really wants to do, we have to be broken. Without us being broken, God can't do what he wants to do. Unless we are broken, we will forever find ourselves getting in the way of what God wants to do. Year after year after year after year, God continues to bring us to the place where he wants to break us. But every time he brings us to that place, we keep on pulling back. Lord, help us. So good morning, New Mission. To my pastor, I want to say thank you for the opportunity to, to stand and proclaim what God is, what I'm seeing in my spirit. To my family, my mother-in-law, my aunts and uncles and cousins and whew, my mother's in the house today. Thank God for her. To my children and to my good thing. I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For just being a, a godly woman. You know, for just standing by me, supporting me, reminding me. We need somebody to remind us. Because sometimes we can forget what we said. And we need somebody to keep on remind us that this is the way that God said. I won't keep you long. I know I have a lot of tired people. But let's turn to the, the book of Matthew, Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Now I'll be reading three verses, Matthew 26, verses 36 through, 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 through to verse 39. 
Matthew 26. He said, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, uh -huh. and said unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Uh -huh. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, thank you. Lord, I know that I can't do what is required this morning. But I stand by faith knowing that you're able. So, Lord, in spite of what I have studied, in spite of what I've looked at, in spite of what I've researched, I still need you to preach. Because your people need a word from you and not from, and not from me. Because it is your word that makes the difference. <laughs> it is your word that can change, that can heal. It's your word that can cut. It's the word that can deliver. It's your word that can sanctify. It is your word. So it is your word that we need this morning. So Father, just have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you for a few minutes on the topic, Overcoming Gethsemane through the power of nevertheless. Right. Overcoming Gethsemane through the power of nevertheless. Have you ever found yourself contemplating another way? When God has already instructed you? Have you found yourself looking for a second option? Looking for a detour after knowing what God is requiring? Has anyone been there or is it, is it just me? Have you found yourself in that place? You know what God said. It was clear. It was precise. He didn't stutter. He made it plain. But yet we find ourselves looking for another option. Looking for another way out. But can I tell you that you and I are not the only one. Can I tell you that Jesus dealt with the same issue 
of weighing his options, of evaluating what was in front of him and wondering if there was another way. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I tell you, Jesus, who is not surprised by the stuff that came his way. Jesus, who knew that they were coming before they came, still find himself in this spot, trying to figure if there is another option. But we shouldn't be surprised by that because Hebrew 4 and 15 says, for we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but as in all point tempted like we were yet without sin. So the very, same, the very thing that you are going through, the very thing that you are struggling with, the very thing that come across you, that you keep on contemplating Jesus' experience, the very same thing. He is no stranger to what you are going through. He's no stranger to what you are contemplating. But my question is, how did Jesus overcome these, these struggles? How did he overcome this issue that was before him. I'm talking about the same Jesus who knew his purpose before he came into the world. The same Jesus who said, I must do the work of him who sent me. The same Jesus who said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. The same Jesus who spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. It's the same Jesus who found himself in Gethsemane. Struggling. Contemplating, wondering, praying. If there is another way. But one thing I, I, I see with Jesus, even though Jesus wasn't speaking directly to us or his disciples in that moment, the conversation that he had with his father and how he responded, how he reacted is a good indicator as to how we also can overcome our, our, our Gethsemane's. So Matthew 26 gives us an, 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 an outline. It sets the stage for Jesus' condemnation and resurrection and crucifixion. In verse 1 to 5, it shows the plot of the religious leaders of Israel to kill Jesus. In verse 6 to 13, it shows us Mary of Bethany who anoints Jesus with the all. In verse 14 to 16, it showed us Judas putting in motion a plot to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. 
in, in verse 17 to 19, it shows us the preparation of the Passover. When the disciples trying to find out from Jesus, where are we going to have this Passover? Verse 26 to verse 30, it shows us the Lord's Supper being instituted. It, it shows us Jesus celebrating with his disciples what happened in Egypt. But in the midst of the celebration, he also showed him switching their focus from what happened in Egypt to himself. He's switching their focus from the Passover lamb to the lamb of God who will take away the, the, the sins of the world. In, in verse 31 to 35, we see Jesus foretells Peter's denial. But in verse 36, we see they came to the garden of Gethsemane, where the struggle begins. Jesus knew what was to be done. He knew what needed to be done. But Gethsemane, it presents a challenge like no other. He, he knew what was to be done. He knew the expectation that was on him. He knew his purpose. He knew what he was about. But still, in Gethsemane, find himself struggling but I see in, in, in Gethsemane he, he began to, to separate himself from, 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 from the disciple he, he, he started by separating the first eight and that he was left with, with, with three then he began to separate because that three was his inner circle but then he showed him even begin to separate himself from his own inner circle. You see, sometimes in our lives, there's going to come a time when your inner circle can do for you what you need. And you end up all alone and you're having to face God on your own because the issue that you're dealing with nobody can help you but the Lord Gethsemane, Gethsemane, Gethsemane so he began to he, he, he began to, 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 to separate. He began to, to separate himself because he must try this journey alone. You see, he couldn't get no help in redeeming us. It was all on his shoulders. But Gethsemane is the place of the olive press. Can I, can I get the picture, please? It's a place 
of the olive press. And what happened to the olives? That the olives are placed in this press. And there is weight that is applied to the press. Because what it is that the, 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 the weight that is applied to the olives is what squeezes the, the oil out of the olives. But if you want pure olive oil, there, there, there can't be any fruits that is in the press with the olives. You have, the olive has to be all by itself. It has to be all alone. So when we see Jesus separating himself from the disciples, he's just staying true to the process. Because pure olive oil only come from olives. But within this, but, but within this, this, this Gethsemane, I, I, I see a, a contrast. There is a contrast with this garden of Gethsemane with the garden of Eden. You see, in the Garden of Eden, we see the first Adam. In this Garden of Gethsemane, we see the second Adam. In the Garden of Eden, the first Adam disobeyed God. And he let loose sin in the world. In the Garden of Gethsemane, yeah. we see the second Adam weighing his option to be obedient or to be disobedient. We see him contemplating, do I go ahead and do the will of my father that I already know I was sent to do or do I? Do it my way. But, 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 but we would look closely. The, the first Adam gave in easily. And it brought destruction. But for the second Adam to reverse what was done, it had to be hard. It has to be difficult. So we see the second Adam Struggling yes, yes. to reverse the curse. Yeah. You see, the, 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 the first Adam released the floodgates of sin. Yeah. And the second Adam was preparing to release a passageway to the tree of life. But he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What's the cup? 
Have you ever asked yourself, what is, what is the cup? He said, if it's possible. I don't have no issue with anything else. I just have an issue with this cup. What is the cup? You see, the cup is all the suffering involved in the sinless Son of God taking upon himself. You see, the cup involved everything that was necessary for him to go through in order for us to be redeemed. The cup involved his death. The cup involved his separation from his father. The cup involved the weight of sin being put on him. But when I think about it, the way he felt about the weight of sin coming on him is the way we should have felt about sin. But because we were so used to sin, because we had this bent nature towards the sin, we don't even realize the weight. We don't even realize the weight that is on our shoulders because of sin. But since Jesus never sinned, he understood the weight that is accompanied with sin. And that weight is not easy to bear. But he said, he get to the point where he said, never the less. He get to the point where he said, in spite of that. He get to the point where he, where he said, regardless of the way I feel. The regardless about the of the pain and the suffering. Regardless all of that, not my will, but your will be done. You see, the word nevertheless is used after a negative sentence. The word nevertheless marks as a transition to something new. This means that although the speaker doesn't want to yield or concede, they have submitted their own will to the power of nevertheless. That is what Jesus used. He get to the point, he admit, this is the way I feel about it. He admit that, Father, I really don't want to do it. He admit if there is another way out. You see, if, if, if we would just be honest with God sometimes, 
and, and, and tell God that I really don't want to do it? I really don't want to do what you're asking me to do? Instead of, instead of acting like we always so obedient? Just maybe the Holy Spirit may bring something to your remembrance that will usher you to the point of nevertheless. Not my will, but your will be done. I see nevertheless in Luke chapter 5 with, with Peter being disappointed. He said, Simon and Simon Peter and Simon answering and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Well, he get to the point where he said, never the less. At thy word, I will let down the net. And it tells us that when he let down the net, he had problems pulling it back in. The same place where he fished all night and caught nothing. To be honest, he, already, he had already thrown in the towel. He was already calling it a night. And Jesus showed up. And say, hold on, Peter. Not so fast. I want you to cast your net down one more time. Peter was just right at the edge of being broken. The same place where we find ourselves a lot of times. But because we have toiled so long and have caught nothing, we decide to stick with our experiences instead of believing and trusting God. But that is the place that God wants us to be. Sometimes he will allow all that we do to fail to get us to the point where he wants us that he can break us, that we'll see there's nobody but God. That I have tried everything and everything failed. But when I tried Jesus, I realized that nobody could have done what Jesus has done. Nobody. We see Job in Job chapter 13. When everything, he's lost everything. To the point where his wife telling him, why don't you curse God and die? But Job used his own nevertheless. He said, though he slay me. <laughs> he said, yet will I trust him. Are you willing to trust God when things are not going your way? Are you willing to trust God in spite of? 
When you're in trouble, when you're going to try it, and he said, trust him. Are you willing to say, in spite of what I have experienced, I'm still... I'm still going to trust him. You see, nevertheless, not only works in the positive, but it can also work in the negative. I see Peter and and the disciples. They're out in the water. They are rowing. And the Bible tells us that at one point Jesus came walking and water. And Peter said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you. It was still water. But Peter uses Nevertheless, I understand that it is water. I don't believe that I can walk on water. But nevertheless, since you bid me to come, I'm going to come. But I also see in the same little passage that Peter went back and used another Nevertheless, he used it in the, in the second time in the negative sense. Because it tells that when he saw the waves, he began to doubt. And he began to sink. What Peter did in that moment, he said, I'm walking on water. But nevertheless, I see some waves. And he began to doubt. And he began to sink. The 12 spies, Uh they all went into the land. They all saw the fruits. Uh They all had the same experience. They all were provided for in the wilderness. But the Bible tells us that there was 10 that came back and said, God has provided for us. God has brought us out of Egypt. God has tell us about this land. We have went into the land. We saw the evidence of the fruit. We have experienced God over and over and over, but nevertheless, we don't believe we can take this land. The negative side of nevertheless. But we see Joshua and Caleb that say, our God is God. He tells us that this is the land he's given us. A land that flows with milk and honey. We have went in and we saw the evidence that God's word is true. That indeed it flows with milk and honey. We also saw some giants. But nevertheless, our God is God. And our God said, this is our land, so we will trust 
God. The power of nevertheless. My question is, which side of nevertheless are you falling on? Which side of nevertheless are you embracing? Because what nevertheless does, whatever comes before nevertheless, when nevertheless is spoken, it negates what's come before and embrace what comes after. So what are you speaking after nevertheless? What are you speaking after? What Jesus say? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What Job say? Though he yet, yet will I trust him. Yet will I praise him. Yet will I worship him. Yet will I glorify him. So what is coming after your nevertheless? But he said, not my will, but your will be done. The will of God is not always pleasing. It, it, it don't guarantee that when you're operating in the will of God, you're going to have the best time of your life. But it is the will of God. Samson. We see Samson in 1 Samuel wanted a wife. He wanted a Philistine wife. He fell in love with a Philistine woman. And his parents said, no. Why you want to fall in love with our enemies? We have all these women in Israel. And you want to fall in love with a Philistine woman? But the Bible tells us that his parents didn't know that it was in the will of God. He was in the will, but he loved this woman and he gave him a bunch of hell. But the Bible said it was within the will of God. So don't expect the will of God to always be peachy. Don't always expect the will of God going to be smooth sailing. It's not always the case, but it can still remain the will of God. So we have to be sure, we have to be careful how we judge what is the will of God. The will of God don't always look prosperous. But it's still the will of God. David, anointed king, and still running 
but him being anointed king is the will of God. But all that running, all that hiding, and we would have asked God, did you really anoint me king? But it is, it was the will of God. So the will of God bring us to a place where we can yield ourselves. And sometimes what it takes are struggles. Sometimes what it takes are disappointment. Sometimes what it takes is sickness. Sometimes what it takes is disease. Because we're not always willing to yield to God. So when we say, when the Bible says all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to this purpose. It's not always peachy. It's not always easy. But our perception of good is so different from God. But the key is, can we trust him? Can we, can we, we say we love him. But we, he said, if you love me, you keep my commandment. So even when things don't look good, I have to trust him. Because I want to stay within the will of God. The songwriter, there's a song I, I was humming this morning. It said, trouble in my way. He said, I got to cry sometimes. Trouble in my way. I got to cry Sometime. But I recognize even if I have to cry my way to a nevertheless, I got to cry my way to the nevertheless. Because I know that once I get to the nevertheless, things will change in my life. I recognize that if I got to shout my way to the nevertheless, I'm going to shout my way to the nevertheless. I realize that if I got to sing my way, Sister Terry, to a nevertheless, I'm going to sing my way to the nevertheless because I recognize that there is power in my nevertheless. I recognize it is the same power that Jesus used to complete his journey. You see, nevertheless change the world. Because the Bible tells us that we were all lost in sin until Jesus came in. Hadn't Jesus drawn on the power of the nevertheless? Where would, where would we be? 
So my question to you this morning, where is your Gethsemane? What is your Gethsemane? How are you handling your Gethsemane? How are you overcoming your Gethsemane? Jesus showed us. The Bible said he is the way, the truth, and the life. It shows us that his example, how it, that he used, it works. Because once he gets through his nevertheless, he gains strength to carry on the rest of the way. So we see Jesus playing, Father, if there is another way. But after he get to the nevertheless, he carried on like nothing. Like nothing happened. When he got to nevertheless, he was renewed in strength. When he got to his nevertheless, he was revived in strength. Are you willing to bear your burden all the way through you nevertheless? Because if we can get to our nevertheless, we will realize that there is strength to continue on this journey. Jesus overcame. He used this power. And he tells us, the Bible tells us the same power. The same Not some diluted power. Not some watered down power. But the same power. So the same way that Jesus uses nevertheless. We have the power to use nevertheless. You see, he is willing to walk through it with you. He is the most experienced candidate. The Bible said he was tempted at all points, yet without. So who is more qualified to walk through our lives with us than Jesus? You have experiences that I don't have. I have experiences that you don't have, but we know because the Bible said Jesus was tempted at all points, and he overcame. So he can show us how to overcome. Are you willing to trust him? God bless you.